Welcome to Authentic Influence with host Anthony Chansamuth, the show where we get real and share the stories and struggles, strategies and tactics of successful influencers and entrepreneurs so that you too can take action to create the life and business that you choose. And now over to Anthony. Welcome to Authentic Influence Live. This is Anthony Chance to move from Simple Creative Marketing. And uh, today we are talking about how to make your sales more predictable with a CRM. If you don't know what a CRM is, you're going to find out. Uh, and the uh, I invited someone who really has a lot of information and knowledge about this area uh, to the show. So we have with us today, uh, it's Jeroen Kortveld, uh, who is the director let me get all the all, all the all the information here so the co-founder ceo of salesflare an intelligent crm solution built for smbs selling b2b so definitely talking our language uh, and most popular with agencies and fast-growing startup companies so salesflare itself was founded when Jeroen and his co-founder are uh, now this is where i'm going to get caught up how do i say this name Jeroen? what's that <laughs> my co-founder's co name is Levin. Levin. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, uh, there we go. So Levin wanted to follow up the leads for their software company in an easier way. Uh, they didn't like to keep track of their leads manually. I know that feeling. And built Salesflare, which pulls customer data together automatically uh, and then actively helps you to follow up. Okay. And uh, I really like this bit. It's, no, it's now the most popular CRM on product hunt and top rated on review platforms like G2 for its ease of use and automation features. Uh, Jeroen, welcome to Authentic Influence. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay, so now you are, are you based in Belgium or is or are you somewhere else right now? No, I'm based in Belgium. So I'm in uh, Antwerp, Belgium. It's the second biggest city of Belgium, a bit above Brussels. I mean, most people know Brussels, I suppose. Uh, Antwerp is sort of the number two city. It's in Flanders where we speak Dutch. Uh, and it's also the second biggest port of Europe after Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Fantastic. Okay. What's one thing about Belgium that most people don't know? Uh, most people don't know. <laughs> most people know the, the beer and the waffles and the chocolate yes. and all that. Um, I'll, I'll say something about Antwerp. Um, sure. It's the diamond center of the world. So 80% of the diamonds in the world pass through a little street just, just next to our office, actually um it's a heavily guarded street with more than a thousand cameras uh, pointed all over the place um and wow. we're also um nowadays a cocaine center of europe which is also really? yeah it's a great a great achievement as well our, <laughs> our, our our port is so big and well connected that it's uh, popular with the, the cocaine traffickers too now that's a really interesting fact. Okay, <laughs> not not the reason why I'm going to Belgium. Okay, so <laughs> uh, fantastic. Let's talk about just um, your journey. Uh, I love that you have this CRM. I've been a, a customer and I've been using Salesflare for a number of years now, and I still use it. So, mm -hmm. so I haven't done the switch. I haven't gone over to. I'm not big enough to go onto you know the larger platforms that are out there, and we can talk about that in a moment. Uh, but take us back to that time where you and Levin were really know trying to track your leads right like and what yeah. were the challenges yeah what were the challenges that you were going through with that um where you then decided hey we could probably create some kind of product or software that could do this uh and why did you decide to create salesway yeah we actually we just came back from a big conference in vegas uh it was an ibm conference and uh we sold our software there uh to ibm customers because ours was compatible with with their the software they were having and uh, we had so many leads uh, i think it was like 110 130 good leads and all we had to do is close them uh, now that wasn't as easy as it sounds because those were uh, these people were in the business intelligence software space and they they typically take a lot of time to do things like to to get onto a new project so selling something to them is, is a lot of follow-up and I had been working myself uh, for a bunch of years with Salesforce, and I knew that that wasn't really a great tool to organize yourself uh, sales-wise. It's a great tool for management, it's for big companies. You can build anything you like in it. 
but it's not really built for the end users to do sales follow-up. So we tried a bunch of other systems. We found some better systems that were more directed towards sales follow-up, more sales CRMs. Um, but we still got disappointed every time in the sense that we sort of gave up on each system after a bit because we had to keep up with a with an enormous amount of data input there were all these little things we had to put in on a daily well almost hourly minute basis every every little thing we did every little piece of information we saw about um, a customer like they had an email signature we copied some pieces into the crm with it, they copied in a new person, like, oh, this is another person. Who is that person? Put in the CRM. Uh, we just called them, put in the CRM. And if we did that well, we saw the system was working, but we just couldn't keep up. It was like these systems came with, they were great systems, but coming with expectations that we couldn't fulfill. Uh, we didn't feel like we were sort of these uh, CRM robots or something. So then we actually saw that the work we were doing was automatable and that's something we like. So we saw that the, the information that we were putting into those systems was already someplace. Like if it's in an email signature, why can't it get to the CRM? Uh, if, if that person is in your emails and it has a name and an email there, why can't that contact automatically be created? Why can't we automatically pull in information about companies from company databases? Why can't we integrate meetings from the calendar and calls from the phone? Um, why can't we get email tracking in there, which then connects to web tracking? So basically, we saw all this data in different places. And we said, what if we make a system that pulls that together for you, sort of magically, but is still um, a system where you keep control? And that is very easy to uh, manage, so that is not we like make the magic a bit more uh, tangible and controllable, uh, so to, so to speak. And yeah, that's and what Salesforce does today. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, and, and I've noticed that where it you know I'm looking at my so I like the embed within Gmail, for example, and then I can see mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I'm emailing a prospect or I've had a conversation and then I pull up there, you know, the little uh, add-on or, or whatever it is inside of Gmail, mm -hmm. I can actually see um, all these, these data populate automatically. And, and that really just a massive save, time saver, especially when I'm having the call as well. Like I'm not having to dig through multiple systems and pass emails and all yeah, those yeah. Kind of things. Um, that's really awesome. Now, coming into, uh, you know, uh, the product market and, and, and um, battling sort of the giant, which is Salesforce, uh, mm -hmm. What what was your sort of thought around how to compete with you know a giant like that um, in the industry and, and and how did you guys approach that? Uh, at at first we thought we were going to build a complementary system to uh, something like Salesforce, so we would build a like like support people have su support platforms. We were going to build a sales platform. We thought it's it's a bit stupid that the salesperson cannot get an adapted program for them that actually helps them sell a sales tool sales platform you know and support people get that and marketing people have their marketing automation platforms and all that um but we tried to sell that and uh nobody else thought that was a good idea basically uh they said well indeed our, our salespeople don't use salesforce but we want to fix salesforce we don't want to get another system that doesn't make sense to us and they, they were also a bit like, well, the sync is also not going to happen really great. And um, so there was a there was a big issue to be solved, but nobody wanted to solve it that way. And then we figured that actually what we built was very um, attractive to smaller companies who are much more looking for uh, practical solutions also when it comes to sales, uh, like pr pragmatic stuff stuff that works where you get something because you get something directly out of it. Like you use a system and you follow up your sales better, you get better sales. A small company understands that way better than a big one. In a big company, everything is a bit more abstract. Um, so we shifted to small companies. So then at that point we had to compete with companies like Salesforce. Now in the small business segment, it's pretty easy to compete with Salesforce because their system is really not adapted to uh, to small companies. So mm -hmm. actually most of our, um, 
most of our larger customers, because we do small, medium-sized companies, so more like the medium-sized ones, there we usually compete with Salesforce and it's relatively easy. In the smaller companies, there's a lot of offering nowadays as well. We mostly compete with uh, things like HubSpot or Pipedrive. Still there, we are the only system that uh, is built the way I described, where it pulls the information together, offers it to you, make sure that you have everything uh, there without having to input anything manually. I mean, you can create a company, but then all the rest starts, starts happening for you. Um, and a lot of companies will get frustrated with something like HubSpot at some point, uh, not just with the software, but also with the pricing, uh, they, uh, they come to us then. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up just the difference. You're starting to talk about the difference with, say, a HubSpot solution. Um, can you elaborate on why it's important for, especially small business, uh, to have an easy-to-use CRM rather than to go to something that's gigantic, maybe bloated, uh, maybe hundreds of functionalities in there that you're not going to really use and you'll probably get overwhelmed. Um, but yeah. then you're, pay you're paying for that development cost. Right. So, so what have you, I mean, yeah, what's, what would you say is um, the reason that it's a good idea to switch to something that's a smaller CRM like sales, sales play? Yeah. Well, most companies just want to, they actually, when they would think about it, they only have one big objective uh, and then some side stuff. Uh, like the objective might be um, following up sales better. So you sell more uh, like tracking the pipeline better. A lot of companies lose a lot of money by not doing that well. And if they can do it well, then literally, I mean, I thinking of a customer now that uh, it's, it's just three sales guys and they earn a million more per year just because of better follow up. Uh, before that, it was it was it was not a complete mess. They're they're quite organized guys, but it was a bit of a mess. And now that they have everything up uh, in in order, uh, they could just sell so much more because they they sell at the right times. They don't forget the follow up. They still remember what was discussed. All these kind of things at scale. Um, now, next to that, there might be other stuff you want to do, um, but it's not the critical thing. The critical thing is to get your sales team to use the system. If they don't use the system, well, some of the secondary objectives you have might still work, but the primary objective in most cases won't uh, work anymore. Uh, and that's really a pity. So I, uh, what, I would, what I would do as a small company is figure out what is the main thing we wanna achieve. And then based on that, choose the right CRM for you. If, if it's on the sales side, then you better look for something that your sales team is going to use. And then if you need some integrations with whatnot, like landing pages or, or an email marketing tool or whatever, those are not difficult. Um, in, nowadays, there's so many options. Zapier is probably the most uh, user-friendly one to just connect things the way you, you want to connect them. Um, and getting something that presents itself as an all-in-one that is extremely expensive if you then also use the all-in-one if you i mean if you don't make use of 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 the different parts of the system then it sort of defeats the all-in-one uh offering perspective mm. if you know what i mean yeah um and then you also definitely shouldn't go for that yeah so it's really understanding what's your primary objective and then finding the solution that helps you get <laughs> to achieve that yeah um, yeah Let's talk about sales process because obviously having a CRM is a great, is a good idea, right? Um, but the CRM really should match what your sales process is, uh, and and really also should match what your buyers want in terms of a sales process. So there, yeah. I've read some content they put out there around that. So can you talk a little bit about mapping and creating the sales process and and some tips around how to go about that? Yeah, I would generally say think from the perspective of the, of the customer think how can we make this the easiest uh, on them like if they are in in point a and point a is they have a problem to which you may or may not have the solution and you want to get them to point b uh, or not if they're not a good match uh where you deliver them that solution whether that's a product or a service or whatever it doesn't matter 
in between that you have a sales process but like you said it's it's actually much more of a buying process because what you are you're the guide as a salesperson from point a to point b it might be that in between you, you decide that you're not on the right track with each other because the customer does not really want your solution or they don't have the budget for it or or it's not for now it's for later or something like that um and you might want to disqualify them but otherwise like along the steps of the way you guide them uh to get closer to where they want to be um and you need to think from their perspective like if we were to work together how would we get from this one point to the other point how do i uh, how can the salesperson help me decide uh that this is the right solution uh value wise price wise pragmatically how will it fit in all these kind of things that's what the the, the buying process or the sales process should be built around now if you look at that from the sales process perspective you sort of <laughs> well as a salesperson you take the perspective of the customer but then uh you try to also um turn it into a series of actionable steps for you and the buyer together um, so that it's super clear uh, when you're guiding someone, you can say, okay, you were at point A, we're going to, uh, well, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> take away the B here at the end. We're going to B and then we're going to C and after C it's D and then if all is good, we go to E uh, and you, you, you buy the thing. Um, and if you know very well what, what these different steps are, then it's much, much more effective uh, and efficient to guide that customer from, from the one step to the other because it's, it's really clear to you. You can make it really clear to them as well. Um, plus, if you are talking to a, a large series of prospects, then it's also much more, um, much simpler to say, okay, this guy is at C, this guy is at B, this guy is at D, uh, where you always know, like, okay, if, if, if the person is at D, we need to get them to E. Uh, that just makes everything so much clearer and, and more organized. Um, so you can effectively do that guidance at scale. Yeah, I really like the, um, the linear process you've laid out. My question is sometimes sales processes don't go linear. Right. Sometimes, yeah. particularly Habits. if you're dealing with yeah SMB or, or or the sales cycle is much longer, right? So maybe it's six months or whatever it may be. Um, how do you or, or what do you do to I guess keep the relationship going um, and not have every follow up be? How's that decision? Like you know, really kind of force the the, the client to make a decision decision uh, when perhaps they need to go and have a conversation with twenty people or ten people in their organization or whatever it may be um what's uh your experience with that or, or i guess a lot of your, your customers would be using it in that way so yeah i'm just curious yeah what are your sort of thoughts around longer sales cycles and, and how to ensure that um yeah what do you do if, if it's not an a b c situation and it's actually like you say maybe it's a b c and then you're jumping back to b because of something that was missing or, or yeah, yeah how, do, how do you how do you manage that i think it's mainly applying a lot of empathy uh, next to the organizational skills I just talked about, it's uh, really trying to understand the customer. Like, okay, uh, you're talking to this guy, but who are the other people who are involved? What did they find important? What's the whole context for the thing you're going to do together? Is it part of a bigger um, momentum or a bigger initiative or whatever? Uh, how does that look? uh what what pushes it forward what 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 makes it that it that it doesn't that hasn't happened yet um i would really try to understand all these things try to understand if you like like you said they they still have to discuss it with other people who did they have to discuss it with uh when are they planning on discussing that uh is there anything they need from you to have an easier discussion uh you know all these kind of things if you know these things better then you don't need to uh, follow up with emails like any news or so. Um, you can really position <laughs> yeah. yourself as the the person who wants to make it happen together with them and is there to do whatever it takes. I really like that. I really like you know making the connection point or the email 
you know, how's that project going or, or, or what, you know, what are you, um, is there anything that we can do to help you achieve the outcome uh, and really be, you know, that, that extra support for the client to actually achieve something? Because that's what they, I mean, you're, you're a solution to a problem, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I really like how you, you sort of put that into perspective. Now, uh, the topic of the conversation today is how to make yourselves more predictable with a CRM. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that, uh, Jeroen? Yeah, so what we talked about so far is, is is one part of the of the equation. So you can have your overview. You have you have a set sales process from which you can deviate, but you know very well like every prospect is is here, and it might be that things are gonna work out slightly differently, but at least you sort of you have a plan. Uh, that's that's definitely one uh, very important thing to have. Uh, most people will build this as the basics. Uh, like if you if you first start and you only have a spreadsheet, that's probably what you're gonna make. You're gonna make like a thing like, okay, we're gonna sell this to that company, and this is the contact person, and then there's a column that says probably something like, this is the last contact we had. So the 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 pipeline sort of view is is the basics, but then there's also like I just teased already is a uh, when we were last in contact. It's very hard to keep in a in a spreadsheet uh, the the sort of communication timeline you have with a customer. Um, Some pe people mostly just put the last contact. What was it? You know, those kind of things. Uh, what you ideally want is the full range of communication you've been having, hmm. because then you can go back and say, okay, what was discussed here? What was discussed there? What was discussed there? When when did we last discuss? When do I need to follow up? So that is where uh, a CRM already makes a huge difference versus um, a spreadsheet is a sort of way of having that timeline almost impossible to keep it in a in a spreadsheet uh, some, some people put start putting comments on a cell and then they have a history on the cell but it's horrible um, so that's two um, in our uh, system it's it's best represented well there's a timeline on, on each company which is automatically filled based on emails calls meetings web tracking email tracking all these kind of things notes you put but then you also have this on the general level in the notification center so the notification center gives you an idea of what's going on if you scroll through that you see like okay this this guy just did this i just got this email this guy went to the website and this also enables you then to pick up at the right times. So if you see that somebody's on your website, <laughs> good reflexes, take the phone, call them and say, hey, so, you know, did you discuss with John already? What did he think? Are you guys okay with the pricing? Where well, I mean, depends on where they are, of course. So that's number uh, two. So there's like the, the pipeline view. The, the sort of the timeline view, which could be a notification center also in a unified way. And then third is um, reminders is extremely important. So in our system, that's tasks. Um, tasks are ways to define what you're gonna do and you can set when you're gonna do it. So, and then you get a reminder which you get in the notification center, you get it on your phone and your computer if you have notifications on. Um, or you can see it in the task screen where you can look like, what do I have to do today? If you take these three things together, you're basically, where is each prospect? What happens? And three, what do I need to do? Then you sort of have the complete overview. That's when you, you sort of nailed the, the three different parts of, of uh, what it means to, to follow up with a customer successfully. All next to that, obviously, you also have information with what, what some people think a CRM is address book information, but I think that's <laughs> totally uh, secondary. Like what is the phone number of the person and what is the company uh, address and all these kind of things. Um, we also automate that largely because we don't think that's where you should be spending your time. You need it somehow, uh, but it's not what managing a relationship is all about. It's not about, uh, keeping that phone number or something that's uh that's something that robots can do for you yeah yeah i'm with you on that so just recapping it's, it's where uh where the the prospect is in the in the in, in their journey 
um, mm-hmm. when we're looking at what uh, what what happens or, or um, yeah what what has happened already and, and what's happening and then also what action mm-hmm. is required uh, yeah. from you or your team uh, to move it forward um, and sort of that's kind of that that's really what you're doing with with the tool um, yeah. and as you say it's not really about what's the LinkedIn URL and phone numbers and, and these sort of things which of course you need those but it's, it's not it's useful I mean it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> if you want to go to their LinkedIn or you want to call them it's good that it's yeah. there. But the system can also keep that for you, and it's it's just stuff you built on. It's not necessarily what you're doing, or so if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now you you also uh, talk about sales quotas, um, and uh, I'm just curious about your thoughts around sales quotas. How do you actually, um, you know, what makes what's a good sales quota versus a bad sales quota quota? Um, you know, and and how do you set targets that are realistic? I suppose. Yeah. Well, realistic is, is already good. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say then also uh, make it a, a little challenging. Um, there's nothing fun about a sales quota that is realistic, but also like, well, I'm going to achieve that anyway, sort of sales quota, because then there's no, uh, there's no challenge for the salesperson. And why would they even do their best? The nice thing is if you put it slightly higher, something they can, they can really work towards. Um, but that's on the on the top level sales quota. I, what I definitely also do uh, because these top level sales quota, you're like your your yearly target or something. It's great, something you can work towards, have bonuses towards, and all these kind of things. Um, but I would also define um, like um, input level sales quota, where you uh, define how many leads you're going to generate per week, um, how many deals you're going to close that week or month, I mean, depends a bit where you want to put it. That way you have some uh, short-term things you can strive towards. It's much more motivating because you can you can quickly see the progress there. Uh, you can see yourself achieving things. And if you if you only have that that big goal, then uh, that achievement is, is very delayed. Uh, you don't have a lot of satisfaction. And it's really important for you as a, as a person uh, that you can you can have this uh, this continuous feeling of I'm going somewhere. Uh, we actually do this across the whole company, uh, not just in sales. We have these, we call it habits um, that we work on. So on a consistent basis, we, we work and we provide input and we improve stuff uh, to then in the end, at the end of the year, be able to look back and also look at the results, the number, mm. number of results like this is, I want to lower our churn. This is how we want to get more trials. Is on um, that we also achieve that. And if we just just put put the number forward, we're never going to achieve it because we don't have direction, and we don't have that daily striving towards it. But when you have this sort of this, uh, it could be daily, could be weekly, could be monthly uh, sort of um, habits input level quota. Uh, would say probably say in, in sales. Um, it's a good thing to keep up the spirits and to to probably overshoot your goal because if you if you if you set this at the right level uh, and you're doing a really good job, uh, then you're probably in the end gonna gonna do way better than you than you thought you would. I really like that. I, I'm curious, Jeroen, where did, where did you learn that? Like, where did you learn it was more effective to focus on habits rather than goals? Uh, in sales, it's sort of a um, how can I say? It's a it's a public secret. Hmm. Um, in uh, for ourselves, it's just something we noticed at some point when we were doing a yearly review. Uh, we looked at all the things we said we were going to do, and then we compared to what we actually did, and we saw that when we uh, when we put goals like like the habit style, like where we said like we're going to. Uh, for instance, uh, create, uh, I think at that point, three features a month or so. Uh, we would actually do that. And if we would say we would, we were, we're going to grow our trials by X percent, uh, then we didn't do that because that was just <laughs> too vague and it was not something we could do. Um, of course, there's there's way to create these trials. And if you then say, okay, consistently, we're going to do this to get these trials, then that makes it way easier uh, to actually start performing.
You're listening to Authentic Influence. Learn the tips, strategies, and practices for taking your influence to the next level. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I really like the ability to unpack what's the actual driver or the trigger um, for the behavior that, that creates the result. And I think mm-hmm. it's a different way of thinking because in a, a lot of, you know, in the startup world, we, we look at what's the, what's the North Star, what's, what's the key goal. And we're always looking at these goals and these numbers and these, you know, I, I would love to have 100, 110% growth on you know, month and month and these sort of things. Um, but what you're saying is, well, you know, that's all nice and fluffy. But at the end of the day, if you really look at what is your team doing on a daily basis, uh, that would dictate what the result will, will become potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. It's, it's just the same with many things. If you wanna, if you wanna be more sportive, then go go running every few days and set the set the target there. Uh, if you wanna be uh, lose weight, uh, you need to control your food on a daily basis. If you wanna uh, become smart, you need to read on a on a daily basis. I mean, it's uh, it's just logical and somehow in business we sometimes think like if we put this really big goal at the end of the year it's gonna happen well that's yeah that's not how it works yeah sometimes the the inspiring goal does something else to us psychologically it doesn't actually inspire us it makes us yeah. do something else yeah well yeah let's say if we're talking about losing weight uh like uh, at the end of the year i'm gonna weigh that many kilos it, it it's not something you're gonna achieve yeah, but you can say I'll do ten push-ups a day for the next sixty days. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that doesn't make you lose weight, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. um, abs are made in the kitchen, they say. Uh, let's switch over to content marketing because the one thing that that that's really been you know since I've observed since uh, I first found out about Salesflare is just how how much effort you put into content marketing. Um, so, how do you what have you learned about content marketing and how do you do mark content that that doesn't suck and it actually produces leads uh, for your business. Yeah. Oh, we, we learn a lot of stuff over time. Um, a, a part of it is, is what we focus on uh, in terms of content. Uh, we've, we've had all kinds of strategies with that. In the beginning, we would, we would write more hype content, like things that would get attract attention and make people talk about us and i think that might have made sense at that time uh, in our um, sort of growth journey then we started focusing on um, writing things that were interesting to our audience so to get the, the eyeballs of our audience on our blog uh, we have some posts that pull an enormous amount of traffic now the thing is these posts that pulled that traffic they they don't create a lot of leads because mm. they're so unrelated to what we do. Um, they're really like uh, almost cold leads. Um, so then we started shifting towards uh, more uh, sales related topics. Um, and it's things you can do with Salesflare, like, like things that are searched a lot but that somehow you can do something with Salesforce with. And then so we, we write like, how do you build a sales pipeline? And then we show how you have a sales pipeline in Salesforce, this kind of things. And lately we've also been uh, focusing a lot, going even more bottom of funnel uh, on uh, CRM comparison posts and all that, mm. um, because those are much more likely to convert, but, but we're running out of those again. So we'll probably go back to sales topics soon. Uh, but we're focusing our content very much on things related to our product, just because we can put a, a lot of interesting content out there. Um, but if it doesn't generate leads, then we're also sort of wasting our time. It's nice uh, for for people reading it and all, but uh, it's not it's not bringing us business. Now, how to make content that doesn't suck? <laughs> uh, that is a difficult thing. Well. Actually, the bar is quite low, so in that sense, it's not too difficult. But a lot of people have jumped into content marketing as if it was going to solve all their problems. And they've uh, walked into many of the pitfalls I just described, like just writing content to uh, generate traffic, but not really getting leads. Um, But mainly uh, trying to 
uh, do this at some sort of scale without paying a lot of money. So what ends up happening is that there's copywriters writing about topics they don't know anything about uh, for a low price. So what they do is they, they quickly look on the internet to find out what other copywriters basically wrote about the topic. Uh, they digest that. They turn it into a post real quickly and throw that back on the internet, <laughs> which means that a lot of the content when you start searching is pretty crappy because it's mm. just copywriters who quickly read what other copywriters wrote and then rehashed it. It's, it's like like you take a bunch of garbage and then, and then shred it and then make something else again and then it's still garbage. <laughs> uh, and that's a, it's a real pity. It's But it's also a big uh, opportunity for anyone who wants to do proper content marketing is just define a topic you want to write about and see is am I knowledgeable uh, in this on this topic, or is there someone else I know who could write about this? N not picking a copywriter unless it's something about content marketing or so. Then and they know a lot about it, then that's great. But mm -hmm. if it's about sales, get a sales expert. Get that sales expert write something. Then maybe uh, structure or clean up the text if necessary. Um, but then you actually have content with a body uh that has a story that teaches valuable things and that's what people are looking for nowadays so combine that with really focusing on uh, search intent uh, making sure that what people are searching for and what you're writing is very well aligned and sort of make it like a a cold email let's say like like uh, it has a subject line which covers what they're looking for and then a little text that teases. And then when they click, it immediately reinforces that message and sort of sells the rest of the article to them and then break down what they're looking for in a logical way. Uh, don't, don't, don't entirely focus it on uh, sort of SEO key phrases or something, hmm. but uh, make it something um, that they'll want to ingest um and then somewhere tease your uh, product in there um so it can be used to solve a part of the issue um and i think at that point you've made a you've made a compelling lead generating article yeah i'm just looking at some of the articles on your site so uh, you talked about search intent. How much effort do you put into sort of keyword research? Are you using tools like Ahrefs or some other tool to, to do that? Yeah, we're using Ahrefs. We, ha we have a whole set of keywords that we define that are interesting to us. Uh, sometimes we research other ones. Uh, when we think about writing an article, it's first like, is there enough volume? And then we start looking like, okay, what are some um, very related keywords there? Can it be grouped into a post? Does it make sense to group it into a post? Those are all things you can figure out just by using Ahrefs and using a bit of Googling. Uh, and then start figuring out what are people looking for really when they type this. So the best way is just typing it in Google and see what, what answers you get. Because the, the answers that are at the top should normally reflect what people are looking for. Otherwise, they mm -hmm. would rise to the top. Uh, but then you just aim to do that better, uh, which is usually not too difficult. So. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a couple of really good points you talked there about just the content quality uh, and really, you know, people or writers or content writers and copywriters regurgitating stuff that's already on page one. Um, that, you know, there's going to be, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of see a future in the next five years where Google... Uh, is going to just see AI content writing AI content and just it's just competing with itself, um, uh, and, and like that's really what these tools do, right? Like they basically analyze a page and they go, here's all the keywords that are on there, here's the content length, um, and then you need to produce something similar to that. Where your content is different, what I've recognized is, as you say, you try and embed within that real actionable stuff like you might have templates email templates that you can utilize you might have mm -hmm. um you know here's here's how to manage your sales your deal flow within within a crm um so there's really relevant um information there for someone who's interested in in the sales journey right so that, that's really 
really good uh, a good way to approach that. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a moment. I just wanted to uh, go back to something you said earlier around skills. You talked about for you know for an effective salesperson, um, you know you need to be organized. You need to have empathy. Mm-hmm. Are there any other skills or traits that that you uh, see are common amongst really great salespeople? I think those are the two major ones. Uh, if you'd ask me, it's really when people like that uh, empathy or, or 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 even the drive to be empathic. Uh, it's really hard to sell well. Um, like imagine the the counter situation where somebody just jumps on a call, uh, takes their deck, starts running through it, doesn't even ask you questions, and then says, "Is this interesting to you?" Uh, that doesn't that's not how you would how you would ever like sell to a, a friend or so you you would talk to that friend try to really understand oh so you have this issue oh well maybe like and 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 do you want a solution that can do this or is it more like and they say no i'm more looking like because stuff and and you really explore the issue together you see what the context is and like why didn't they buy it yet and um, many salespeople just, just jump that step, uh, which then makes that they're very in, ineffective. Um, and then the organizational skill, well, taking that and um, pulling that to a whole other level in the sense like they're doing that with tens of people at the same time, maybe hundreds. Uh, that's where you really become productive as, as a salesperson. So I think these two things are key um next to that probably um liking words uh, is a is a handy one uh nowadays um uh, probably probably also for for people in the audience uh writing skills are really really important a lot of things are written uh it can be emails it can be proposals uh, it can be internal chat, but that's not applicable to sales here, of course. But it could be chat that you're also that you're chatting with your customer. Um, being able to write something becomes more important. Back in the day, it was those who were verbally well speaking, and I think to a certain extent, somebody who's 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 good at that can can still sell. Uh, but that that requires going to a lot of meetings, of course. Um, I think the, the the written skills are becoming more more important here as well uh, in this modern world. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing how to speak to someone, how to ask great questions as you do, uh, and then also how to how to convey that in written form, uh, really really strong skills. Uh, if you had to, I don't know if this is even on your roadmap, but if you were to start a new SaaS product tomorrow. Um, and you didn't have an existing audience, right? So different products in a different industry. What would you be doing in your first 30 days to, to, to acquire users? Uh, I would fi- first try to find out who the users were. So I would do a lot of customer interviews, uh, try to understand that what I have in mind, whether they'd be interested in such a thing, why, why they didn't get something like that yet, what they're using now. Uh, what's not good about that? What is good about that? Why they actually got that over something else? Um, that's where I would start. I wouldn't focus on getting users like in the sense of selling uh, in these first 30 days, uh, maybe even 60 days. I would really try to understand the topic really deeply. At the end of each conversation, ask them like, are there other people I could talk about this topic uh, with? Uh, that you know, like, could you connect me with three people, expand that uh, audience, Um, try to get more and more knowledge, shape what it is you have in mind towards uh, their context and their solutions, uh, the solutions they're looking for, the problems they're facing. Um, And then actually that group that you have interviewed, uh, you will know which people are the right ones to sell to once you have that product that you've been discussing with them. And would you recommend some kind of framework like jobs to be done or some other, what kind of, like, I'm interested about the questioning process because it, it's, you know, as you know, asking the right question can get you 
closer to, to the objective. If you're asking questions that are wasting people's time or not really getting to the heart of yeah. why. Yeah. So what, what, um, do you have any frameworks or resources that you recommend people can learn those skills? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of jobs to be done and actually the, the variant, my like jobs to be done in general, but, uh, I think I have it here behind me. Oh, there, uh, the, the, the Mountside sales. It's a book by uh, Bob Moesta. Um, and he has this framework around uh, the four forces that mm -hmm. work on any buying decision uh, and a bunch of questions about like not just the, the, the buying decision, but also the buying decision before that uh, and, and all that. So really uh, trying to understand like what was the what the, the four forces are the following. Um, so it's point A and point B, right? You want to go from A to B. Uh, you're in A. There's something that holds you in A. That's inertia. Uh, it's a it's it's something that keeps the current situation sort of attractive. Makes that you don't want to change because somehow what you're locked in or you like something, whatever. Um, then there's a, a push also from the current situation because there's well there's something that you hate about it. Uh, you want to get away. Then there's a pull from the point B, like the the, the new promised land, it somehow has this something is really attracting you towards it. That's the pull. Mm -hmm. And then there's also anxiety uh, from going to that point because you're afraid that this or that uh, might not work or might happen or you whatever. Um, and it's there's, there's questions in there, I believe. At least I, I have a set of questions that I've been asking customers um, that probe towards all these different uh, forces. And when you understand what they are, you can also more effectively work on them, um, which makes that you can shape your product or services in a way that, or, or your, your, your sales process maybe, but I mean, it's not very separate from each other, but um, so that it, um, it um, well, it, it, it's a more frictionless sale, let's say. But there, there's more to it. I think the the whole context uh, is extremely important, and 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 a big part of the exercise is also figuring out what is going to be your initial target market. Like you 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 try to make a, a slightly broader set of set set of people you talk to, and you figure out like who did it really resonate with, who in this set of people. I think I have the highest chance, uh, were they from a specific sector, were they in a specific position, were they whatever. Uh, so you can then focus on those people in the beginning to sell to. Um, because the better you focus, the higher your success rate and the, uh, the lower the effort versus results you'll have to, uh, well, you'll, you'll have in the beginning. What was the uh, name of the book again, Nirun? The, the Mount Side Sales. By, okay. Yeah. By yeah. Bob Moist. I typed it in the chat. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah, we will definitely we'll link that to that in the show notes. Uh, it's all about the four forces, um, and I really like just really understanding the process of understanding the buyer better, or in this case, who your target audience really is. Because I think there's a lot of time spent to try and to evaluate, mm -hmm. um, you know, and and that's we see that with a lot of startups, and I went through that journey as well, where we try and target everybody and say, hey, everyone's going to use a CRM. Um, but really, you know, when you're competing with you know, everyone else, what makes you stand out is when you can say, well, we really support this particular you know, type of customer in this particular type of way, which is what you're doing great with Salesforce. Uh, okay, we're going to uh, say thank you for joining us today, Jeroen. It's been amazing. Uh, my final question for you is, what's one thing that you do for your mental health? A uh, bunch of things. Uh, one thing, um, the thing that probably works best for me nowadays is running. Uh, well, it's an extra thing. Sleeping <laughs> is, is uh, I would definitely also recommend. <laughs> sleeping no. and running. Yeah, no. Giving a lot of attention to these things like sleeping and physical exercise really helps you to stay uh, stable and awake and all that. Today is a bit of an off day because of a vaccine yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um but otherwise, um, 
I, I try to be there and sharp mentally uh, every day. Uh, not necessarily work crazy hours or something, uh, but during the hours, really be able to work. Uh, and I think giving a lot of attention to sleeping consistently, uh, sleeping well, and there's a whole bunch of things you can do. Um, and, and physical exercise, those things really help. So when you say you run, is that like a short jog? Is that 10 kilometers? What type of running do you like to do? I do five kilometers at the okay. moment. So it's okay. not, it's just, uh, 25 minutes or something that I run. It's not, it's not a long thing, but it keeps me, um, it keeps me, how can I say physically fit? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my, my rest heart rate is quite low. My concentration is there on things. So. And when you're running, are you in silence or are you, are you running in a gym or are you sort of going through nature and the streets? And I live in a park here, so I just exit okay. the front door uh, yeah. and I, I do it in silence. I don't yeah. like doing it with music. Some people like that. I'm more, I also take the running as a sort of challenge. Mm. Um, I think even I, I get up and I have all these things in my head. And just the running sort of puts them into perspective because I'm, I'm suffering for a little. And then these things become small in the background. And uh, I don't think with, with music, it would be the same thing. It would just annoy me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, like David Goggin sudden, you might know who he is. Yeah, he, he basically says, you're cheating if you're listening to something while you're running. Uh, you <laughs> want to be able to listen to your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not avoid it. So uh, I really love it's that. True. Awesome, yeah. Uh, okay, mate, appreciate you joining us today and thank you for all the insights. Uh, for everyone listening, please head over to salesflare.com uh, and that's where you can go and, and uh, check out the CRM software. Like I said, I'm, I've been using it for a number of years now and, and, and definitely recommending it to others. Um, and uh, there's a ton of resources on the blog. Uh, Yeroon has a podcast as well where he's interviewing founders and, and, and other really cool people. Um, so uh, definitely go and check that out. Uh, any last messages for the audience here? No, not really. You need <laughs> Salesflare on salesflare.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is the best place. You can send me a personal connection request with a message, please, because otherwise I won't know who you are. I will assume spam, but with a message and I also reply to you. We can have a chat. That's right. Just tell uh, just tell him that uh, you came from Authentic Influence or mention Anf and then he'll know exactly <laughs> where you came from. Uh, exactly. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. We'll see you again real soon. And Yarun, I hope you have a relaxing day and you recover from this uh, vaccine hit that you had yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. This was fun. Now, just quickly, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast uh, and you can grab all the links and things and resources on there and also if you are a conscious entrepreneur got a professional services business working b2b uh, and you've got an interest in building influence and income through showing up serving others and being real then i invite you to join my authentic influence warriors facebook group uh, if you want to do that just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash community Okay, thanks for joining in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Authentic Influence podcast at AuthenticInfluence.co. 